from Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's time for the Gospel Mailbox with Donnie Bryson. If you would like to contact the ministry, you may call Donnie at 423-355-3859. Write Donnie at P.O. Box 2446, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37409. Or email him at this email address, preacher at gospelmailbox.org. And now for today's lesson, here's Donnie Bryson. Welcome to another edition of our Treatment of the International Sunday School Lesson. Today's lesson is entitled, Christ is Wisdom. And it's taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. And it's for November the 13th, 2022, fall quarter, lesson number 11. Now a little background information. Today's lesson is looking back to two verses from last week's lesson. King James uses the word wherefore. The ESV says for this reason, and it links back to the preceding two verses. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So a lot of the things that are going to be said in this lesson today, look back to that sealing of our salvation, the work of the cross, and how that God uh, saved us from our sins with his plan of salvation. Now, Ephesians 1, 15 and 16. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, I want to point a couple of things out about these two verses. First off, the underscoring of the them having faith and love toward all the saints. It's important for us to have faith, but it is also important for us to demonstrate love. And oftentimes that is one of the things that we tend to forget about. Yet the Bible all through the New Testament, repeatedly talks about us showing love. You know, the Apostle John said in 1 John 4, 20 and 21, If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he 
who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And that includes having a forgiving spirit. That includes treating people, other people, with respect. That includes cutting them slack. We need to demonstrate that love. And also, too, it's important for us to remember to be thankful to God for the good works and the goodness that we see in our fellow Christians. This isn't the only time that Paul was talking about show, uh, being thankful for other people's work for the Lord. Colossians 1, 3, and 4, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Give thanks to God for those missionaries who, out of the call of God and for their love and compassion for folks, how they go out to the mission field. Thank God for them. Thank God for the pastors who go out to the hospitals and visit the sick, who are at the funeral homes, comforting the family when that loved one dies. Be thankful to God. Give thanks to God for that good work. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, there are a couple of things that I want to point out about these two verses. First off is that the fact that God the Father is being called the God of the Lord Jesus Christ does not detract from the Trinity at all. And I do not claim to understand all the mechanics of the Trinity. But Jesus is God, and God the Father is God. So there is a relationship there that is unique in the entire uh, scope of reality that is really hard to explain how that all works, how that there's the three of them, they are each 
distinct, and yet they are one. All three of them are God. All of three of them are fully God, and all three of them are one. And they're not a third of God. They are all three holy God. So I can make these statements, but as far as me being able to tell you, I intellectually understand how the Trinity works. I do not. And anyone who does tell you they completely understand how the Trinity works is, in my opinion, deluded because we don't really have a frame of reference. See, when I tell you that that it's cold, you know what I mean by that because you have felt cold. But when God tells us he is infinite and that they are three of them, and yet they are one. They are not a third of a being. They are holy God. We have no frame of reference for that because we have no thing, other thing in our reality that that can be said of. Okay? Now, there are other places where... Uh, God the Father is called Jesus as God. In Genesis, excuse me, John 20 and 17, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Okay, now also, too, it's important for us to understand this thing about wisdom. A lot of times uh, people can think that they are the smartest thing that ever walked. And it's important for us to understand that spiritual wisdom is given by God and it is also contingent on people's actions and the more sinful people act the less wisdom and more delusion they fall into romans 1 and 28 and since they did not see fit to acknowledge god god gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done in other words, they went into foolishness and kept getting more foolish. And then in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us, through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? 
so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So in other words, it requires the Holy Spirit to teach us things and show us things and to grant us wisdom. That is a gift from God. It's not an internal, intrinsic quality that we have, but a gift from the Lord God Almighty. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now, it is important for us to realize that there are two aspects, two dimensions of salvation and two directions of activity that are happening. There is the very important, critical, essential part of the activity that comes from God Almighty, His plans, His enabling, His calling, the new birth that He gives us, the gift of the Holy Ghost He gives us, and that is coming from heaven toward us. There is also another aspect where we're being receptive to God's plan and God's action, and we are doing our part of the situation by making the proper choice and accepting God's plan in our life. You know, Paul told the Philippians in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we see here in those two verses in Philippians how that it's very clear that it is both God working in us and us making the right choices and following God's leading. Philippians 3, 19 and 10. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So we see here that a critical portion of salvation is that resurrecting power and that crucifying of the flesh and participating 
in that that we do. Ephesians 1, 21 and 22. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Aren't you thankful that the Jesus we follow, the Jesus that we worship, has been given all authority and dominion and is all-powerful? Matthew 28 and 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is right before the Great Commission, where he sent us out to evangelize the world. He reinforced that idea that all power and authority had been given to him. And he was directing us to go out and preach the gospel. Philippians 2, 9 and 10. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Everyone, every being in the universe is going to acknowledge the power and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how much rebellion people are in, before it is over with, everyone will acknowledge the power and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the problem is, is that if you resist him and rebel against him, while you have a chance to accept the blood of Jesus and be born again, and you're actually here on this earth, and you have the opportunity to be saved. When you acknowledge his lordship over your life, it means that you're heading to heaven for eternal bliss. But if you wait till after you're dead, and after it's all done and said, and you wait till you get to that time, even though you acknowledge his lordship then, it's going to be too late. And yes, you will acknowledge that he is the son of God and that he shed his blood on that cross and that he rose again 
and he was is the king of glory, and that he is the king of glory, and even though you acknowledge that, it will be too late, and you will still bust hell wide open. So friends, if you've not accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, please accept him now while it still makes a difference in where you're going to go on the end of the day. Ephesians 1 and 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is the body of Christ. Now, Paul went into this in a lot greater detail in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verses 12 through 27. Let me read that entire section of Scripture. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. For if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have, not no, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. For on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorably, we bestow the greatest, greater honor. And, all, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, and there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ, and individually 
members of it. It's important for us to really fully get this concept of the body of Christ and how that each person is the is the, is an individual part and has a individual place. And some of the most just like the the body some of the most seemingly lowest jobs are the most indispensable jobs. For example, the pastor and the janitor. It may seem like the janitor is doing a menial job that does not matter until you are stuck in the bathroom with no toilet paper at church. And then you begin to understand that the janitor's job is really important. All the jobs, all the jobs in the church, all the functions in the church are critically important. And let each one of us do our jobs to the best of our ability. Just a couple of concluding thoughts. I want us to, and God wants us to, show love at every opportunity that we can. Show the love of God. God wants each and every one of us to participate as the member of the body of Christ. God also wants us to not be jealous of the other members of the body of Christ and be thankful for the work that you see going on in the different people of the church. Well, friends, good Lord willing, I'll be back with you next weekend. You have been listening to The Gospel Mailbox with Donnie Bryson. If you would like to contact the ministry, you may call Donnie at 423-355-3859. Write Donnie at P.O. Box 2446, Chattanooga, Tennessee, 37409. Or email him at this email address, preacher at thegospelmailbox.org. 